Welcome to Casual Conversations, brought to you by Momentum Ministries, helping you attain, maintain, and regain momentum in life. Our host is Scott Wade, pastor and author of The Climb, a series of devotional books that will guide you through the Bible. Currently on our podcast, Pastor Scott is addressing the new normal, basing our conversation on a classic book titled The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. Let's join the conversation as Pastor Scott considers the new normal. Good morning. This is Pastor Scott, and I'm normal. Everybody's normal till you get to know them. That includes you, I hope. Do you remember my question last week? Aren't Christians, in at least one sense, abnormal? Doesn't the Bible teach us that the world is not our home? And didn't Jesus himself say that we're not to be in love with this world? The Apostle Paul wrote that while we're here, we groan for our final home. So if we're Christians, the, the question is not, am I normal, according to this world's definition of normal? But rather the question is, am I living a normal Christian life? Of course, to answer that question, we need to know what constitutes a normal Christian life. That's why I wanted to have these conversations about the new normal, drawing from the book entitled The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. If you don't have the book, I'd recommend that you get it. It will enrich your life. And again, remember, as we approach this subject, in the words of the book itself, this is not an intellectual exercise. Rather, it's a spiritual exercise. Approach it as a message to the heart. Well, last week we talked about the sin nature versus the sins that we have committed and how God has a remedy for both. Sin is a twofold problem and God provides a twofold solution. The first problem that we have to deal with is the sins that we've committed. And that is uh, abnormal living. Committing sins is abnormal, not the way we were created. The new normal deals with those sins. And the normal Christian life is one in which we can live with the assurance of sins forgiven. Today, we're reviewing some ideas from chapter one of the book, and specifically, we're going to be considering how the blood of Jesus, uh, how the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Sin brings guilt, but by the blood of Jesus, we are forgiven. Now, of course, some say that we sin every day in thought, word, and deed, and while I would agree with that to a point, I'm afraid that too often we have an expectation to sin, and that expectation erodes our commitment not to sin. And we should have that commitment because sin has a devastating impact on people. We're going to look at that today. Sin separates us from God, and there's a Godward impact to sin. Because of sin, we're found guilty, and that's a, the manward, as Watchman Nee calls it, impact of sin. And we are legally liable for sin. And Nee says this is a Satan word aspect. And so all of these conditions leave us in a position of liability to God, to ourselves, and to our legal standing. The blood, however, removes those liabilities. First, um, let's uh, consider how the blood of Jesus operates in a Godward way. The blood of Christ satisfies our debt to God. 
Yesterday, I heard a wonderful message from Pastor Caleb Miller at Anchor Church in Mount Pleasant. Pastor Caleb shared how the scripture says that Christ died for our sins, referred back to the Old Testament sacrifices, and he reminded us that the sacrifice of an animal, the shedding of blood, was necessary for the forgiveness of sins. God, in his plan of salvation, made it so. And we need the blood to remind us how serious our sins are. Toward, uh, toward God and toward others as well. You remember the story of the Passover when Israel escaped from Egyptian bondage? The scripture says the Israelites were to cover the lentils and doorposts of their homes with the blood of a sacrificial lamb. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. I will spare that house the judgment of death. And this is how a picture, this is a picture of how the blood was for God to see. The ones who were spared were on the inside. They didn't see the blood. God saw the blood. God was on the outside. The blood was for him to see. Consider also that the the blood sprinkled in the inner sanctuary of the temple. In this case, God was inside. The worshiper was outside. But that blood was sprinkled on the inside, on the altar, and God saw it. The high priest took that blood from the sacrificed animal and sprinkled it on the altar behind the veil, out of sight of the one seeking forgiveness. But we also need to remember the Bible says it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Those sacrifices only served as a reminder that we need sin forgiven. We need grace. We need mercy. But the blood of Jesus is a perfect sacrifice. And in that perfect sacrifice alone, God is satisfied. Our sins are removed as far from us as the East is from the West. And we who were separated from God have been brought near through the blood of Christ, as we read in Ephesians 2.13. And then let us consider that the blood is primarily for God, but secondarily, it's for us. We read in Hebrews 10.22 that we can draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith. We do that, the scripture says, because our hearts have been sprinkled clean by the blood. Earlier in Hebrews, we read that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Hesitation comes because of sin. We're afraid to go into the presence of a holy God. But boldness comes by the blood of Jesus. And we can enter into the presence of God because we know that Jesus' blood has covered our sins. Think about that story in Luke chapter 7 of the woman who came uh, to, to express her gratitude to Jesus for having her sins forgiven. She crashed a dinner party that a Pharisee was giving for Jesus. And Jesus made a comment there that I, I thought was interesting. She said, he said that she had that assurance to come in like she did so boldly because of this. He said, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. And finally, and this one I didn't appreciate until I read what Nee wrote, there in chapter one, the blood is effective, not just Godward and manward, but the blood is effective Satanward. The story of Satan 
in Job that we read about, how Satan came before God and accused God or accused Job before God and saying, Job only serves you because you've blessed him, because he wants the stuff that you give him. Satan is the accuser of the brethren, we read in Revelation 12, verse 10. He accuses us day and night before God. But Jesus, we read in Hebrews 9, 12, confronts Satan with his own blood. And we also read that the blood cleanses us from all sin as we walk in the light. And think about that. We can walk in the light. Light, of course, identifies all that is unclean or impure, all those, um, those things that mar us. But we can walk in the light as he is in the light. Why? Because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. We don't have to be afraid of being exposed. The blood has actually removed our sins. You and I don't have anything to hide. I was talking with a friend recently, and this friend of mine uh, has had a rough past. And uh, God has miraculously turned his life around and blessed him beyond what I could even imagine. But he told me at the end of our conversation, he says, you know, Pastor, he said, years ago, I did some things that um, I had to pay for, and I regret those things, but I don't have any guilt over them anymore, and God has forgiven me. He made it right, and most importantly, he's right with God, and so he doesn't need to hang his head in shame. He doesn't have anything to hide anymore because all those sins are gone. The scripture says there's therefore no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. That, my friend, is the new normal. Because of the blood of Jesus, we now have peace. We have peace with God. We have peace within ourselves. We have peace before those who would accuse us. Through the blood of Jesus, our sins, which were many, have been washed away. And so that's the remedy. The blood is the remedy for the first problem of sins, those sins that we have committed. Next week, we're going to consider how the cross is the remedy for the second problem, the sin nature. And I hope you'll join us then. Meanwhile, get the book, The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. Read it and reflect on it. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we thank you today for the blood of Jesus. The blood, the old song says, will never lose its power because it's a perfect sacrifice. And we receive that. And with gratitude, we thank you from the depth of our hearts that our sins are forgiven and our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. For those listening, I pray your richest blessings today and in the days ahead, ahead as we live with the assurance of our sins forgiven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, thanks for joining us uh, today. That's all we have time for, but may God bless you, and I, I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening in on Casual Conversations, brought to you by Momentum Ministries. Visit our website at MomentumMinistries.org. That's Momentum Ministries with two M's in the middle, dot O-R-G. God bless you and have a great day.